Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, season two, helping pilgrims get ready for their first pilgrimage walk on the Camino. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. Hola, this is Nancy coming to you from the Camino Frances, where I am recording this final episode of Season 2 of the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast in my favorite Camino city of Pamplona. In all, I have spent two weeks in Pamplona on this trip. The greatest joy for me this time around has been sharing Pamplona with some of my listeners who are currently walking the Camino plus other pilgrims they have met along the way. A couple days ago, I met Chad from episode 18 in Pamplona, and he had put the word out that I would be leading a Pinchos crawl that evening. Well, Chad's a beautiful people magnet in the best way possible, and we ended up with a group of 17 pilgrims exploring the Pinchos scene in Pamplona. It was a truly memorable night. The other thing that happened that I just loved was that of all the places to stay in Pamplona, Chad happened to book in at the same guest house where I stay and have been staying for 15 years worth of visits to Pamplona. So it was super easy for us to connect. I love those little Camino coincidences. That's Pension Escaray, by the way, in case you want to look it up. I have one more day in Pamplona. That just hit me this morning over coffee. I'm feeling sad to be leaving, but excited to move on to what's next, which I will tell you about shortly. For my last night in Pamplona, I will be meeting up with George and John from episode 19. If you haven't yet listened to their story, please do. It is an extraordinary story of friendship and love. Before I go any further, let me give you an overview of what I'll be talking about in this episode. First, I will be wrapping up this season of the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast by sharing a few more of my stories from the trail. Then I will give you an update on a few more pilgrims whose stories you have heard on this podcast. Next, I'll be giving you some top tips based on what I've been observing this year. And finally, I'm going to give you an update on what I'm working on for you and a preview of what's ahead in season three of this podcast. You may want to grab a pen and your Camino notebook because I have a bunch of solid information for you in this episode. Let's get going. I have been in Spain for almost four weeks and it's been an extraordinary trip. I have walked on the Camino exactly one day. And that was from the Spanish city of Valcarlos to the village of Roncesvalles on the Frances route. I walked that stretch because I'll be talking about it in the Camino Frances Getting Started audio guide I'm working on. And I hadn't walked that part for more than 10 years. I needed to remind myself what the walk was like, where there were services, and how clear the trail markers are. Spoiler alert, I give that walk five stars in the audio guide. 
You may be wondering why I didn't walk more than one day. Well, I have what I think is largely an American affliction, and that is that I love to drive. So I rented a car and visited my favorite places and people on the Camino Frances. And true confession, after walking the Camino so many times, I am now a fair weather pilgrim. I'm going to talk about the weather in a bit, but for now I'll just say the weather was less than fair this May. So where did I drive in Spain this time around? Well, after my first week in Pamplona, I visited the village of Rabanal del Camino, where my friend, American Pilgrim Kim, has an amazing guest house called the Stone Boat. Rabanal has many choices for places to stay, including three albergues and several guest houses, but the boat is my favorite. Kim really knows how to set the stage and honor the pilgrim's journey, and her colleague Priscilla offers massage services. So if you are due for a little body love, this is the place. I also spent a night in Trabadello at El Puente Peregrino and had several fantastic vegetarian meals at Ellie's World Kitchen. Trabadello is a great stop about 10 kilometers after Via Franca del Bierzo. And if you are staying in albergues and you aren't ready for an upgrade to one of Ellie's fantastic private rooms, you may want to stay at the highly rated Casa Susie. Casa Susie is run by an Australian pilgrim, Susie, who has found her calling in hosting pilgrims on the way. It's cherry season in northern Spain, and down the road from Ellie's place there was a farm stand selling cherries for four euros a kilo. For those of you in the U.S., that's about $2 a pound. I love a good deal, and that price had me eating way more cherries than was strictly necessary. While in that beautiful valley, I also stopped at Rock and Roll Pizza in La Portela de Valcarce, which was one of my top tips from season one. The pizzeria is run by American David and Danish Kira, both pilgrims, and they also run the warm and welcoming Vagabond Vieres Albergue. An update from Season 1. The albergue is no longer donativo. Instead, you can easily and conveniently reserve your bed and pizza dinner on Booking.com. Or you can call them or just turn up. I love this place, and the pizza is the best I have found in Spain. I have the contact details for these four places I just mentioned in the show notes, by the way. Next, I stayed in the lovely small village of Las Herrerias. If you have already walked the Frances route, you may remember that Las Herrerias is the last village before you make the steep climb up to Osobrero. I love valleys, which is why I loved walking from Valcarlos to Roncesvalles, and this section of the trail is also one of my favorite spots. I do also love the view from the top of the mountain, which I went to see one morning. Oh, big sigh, what a view. O Sobrero is famous for the miracle that occurred in the church there in the early 1300s, 
and it is absolutely charming, despite being a bit touristy. As you may have guessed by now, I love the small villages on the Camino. Ugh, who am I kidding? I love all of the Camino cities, towns, villages, all of it. And driving on and along the Camino is a fun way to discover and experience the Camino route in a short period of time. But in all honesty, driving the Camino is no substitute for walking it. If you are short on time, you could consider walking part of the Camino and driving part of it. Driving in Spain is pretty straightforward, and if you plan well, car rentals are very affordable. So let me give you a few tips for renting cars in Spain. The first is that if you can pick up your rental car at a city center location rather than at the airport, you may save some money. Some airport locations charge a rental surcharge of around 45 to 50 euros. This is especially the way to go picking up off airport if you'll be renting a car in Santiago de Compostela at the end of your walk. There are at least two rental car offices close to the Santiago train station, which is only a 20-minute walk from the city center. You can reserve cars online, either on the company's websites, or you can do it the way I do it, which is using Travelocity.com. I find that they have the best rates. The next tip is the other side of that coin. If you need an automatic transmission car, you will want to pick up your car at an airport location, as it's quite rare for city center locations to have automatics. I am so grateful to my dad for insisting I take my driver license test in a manual transmission car. At the time, he told me it was because he believed that if you had a driver license, you should be able to drive any car on the road. Well, now I know that it was because he knew that someday his daughter would want to rent a car in Europe. Dad. I miss you, Dad. And the final rental car tip. Watch and heed the speed limits. Spain liberally uses speed trap cameras, and if one of them catches you speeding, you will get a surprise admin charge of around 50 euros from the rental car company, plus a souvenir, 50 euro plus ticket in the mail, about 30 days after you get home. Voice of experience here. One of those tickets is annoying. But if you don't know about the cameras, you could end up with several souvenir tickets. Boo. In addition to visiting the stretch from Rabanal del Camino to Las Herrerias, I also had a rental car at the start of the Camino Frances. This enabled me to meet Andrea and Jason from Season 2, Episodes 8 and 9 in Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port and share in their anticipation of the walk over the Pyrenees. As I record this, they are somewhere on the Meseta, which is the stretch between Burgos and León. What a beautiful couple, and what an honor it has been to share in their journey. I have also been in touch with Kathy, who I got to talk to in Season 1, Episode 11, and in Season 2, Episode 13. You may remember Kathy as the one with the motto, live simply and do cool shit, if you'll pardon the language. 
And she is doing exactly that on the Camino del Norte right now. Yana from Season 2, Episode 16, finished her Camino in Santiago de Compostela last week after walking the Portuguese route from Porto. And oh my goodness, that woman was flying high the entire way. Yana shared with me that this was the first of what she is certain will be many Caminos for her. Talk about embracing life. Go, Yana! I am hoping to have a few of my Season 2 guests back on the podcast in Season 3, so we can hear from them how their pilgrimages went. My only regret is that I wasn't able to meet more of my listeners and guests in person on the trail. If only I could be in all places at all times. So for all of you who are on the trail now or will be on the trail in the next couple of months, know that I am with you in spirit. Now, let me move on to some observations from the trail and some tips based on what I'm seeing this year. The first topic in this section is the reports of crowding on the Camino Frances this year. Well, it's all true. In some places and at some times, it has been absolute madness on the trail. No beds in the town or the next town or the next. I spoke with my friend Istvan, who runs the Caminoteca Pilgrim Shop in Pamplona, and he told me that it had been nonstop busy from the 1st of April. Usually, there is a surge in pilgrim traffic the week before Easter, and then it dies down until the first week of May. But Istvan said there was no relief at all after Easter. Now that we are in June, it feels as though things have normalized some. But I think it's important to understand how the crowds move along the Camino. Crowds move in waves, and often an entire wave of pilgrims will stop each day at the end of the stages they find in the most popular Camino guidebooks. Stopping at the ends of the stages isn't an inherently bad thing. The ends of the stages have been selected for a reason, usually because they have interesting sights plenty of accommodations, convenient transportation connections, and good food. But they also tend to become overloaded with pilgrims during the busy times. If you find yourself in with a wave of pilgrims, consider walking a short day to let them get ahead of you. Or you can walk a longer day to get ahead of them. You could even take a bus to skip a stage or two to get ahead. If Walking every step isn't a personal requirement for you. I think the important thing is not to panic. Instead, check your sources for places to stay. If you're finding that the places in your app or guidebook are all booked up, consider trying a different app or method. You could even simply ask your host for assistance with the next town. Often, albergue owners know the albergue owners in the next place and can check in with them for you. The next topic is weather, and this plays perfectly into the topic of expectations. I usually walk the Camino in May and September because that's when I get my favorite kind of weather. Mild temperatures, little rain, and lots of blue skies with puffy white clouds. This year, May was different. 
Rain was in the forecast and in the skies most days in May, where I was at the start of the trail. At the same time, the weather around the area of Rabanal del Camino, 465 kilometers away, was perfect for walking. Well, I just wasn't there. But when I was in Rabanal, it was warm and sunny for one day. (laughs) And then the next day, it felt as though winter had moved in on the mountain. Let's see, what's one word we could use to describe the weather? Ah, yes, unpredictable. The day I drove from Rabanal del Camino to Ponferrada, which is the mountain pass with the Cruz de Ferro, or Cross of Iron, there were high winds, rain, and temperatures around 5 degrees Celsius, which is about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Pilgrims were walking on the narrow two-lane country road instead of on the trail, because that part of the trail is incredibly steep and has, in parts, treacherous terrain. This is where I want to talk about safety. Visibility was low that day, and with a super windy mountain road, both pilgrims and drivers have to be hyper alert on the road. Standard walking protocol in Europe is for pedestrians to walk on the left side of the road against traffic. That ensures that walkers can see cars as they approach and move to the side of the road if necessary. When I drove that stretch of the road that day, I passed many pilgrims who were on the wrong side of the road, were wearing dark-colored rain ponchos in low visibility, and were not walking single file. So here are the walking safety tips. 1. Walk on the left. 2. Walk single file if it's a road with car traffic, even if there isn't a lot of traffic. Three, wear something bright or reflective. And four, take out your headphones or AirPods when walking on a road with cars, trucks, or buses. I know that last one won't be very popular, but I think it's really important to be able to hear what's coming. On these narrow, windy two-lane country roads, you often hear the vehicles before you see them. From the driver's perspective, we know there will be pilgrims on these roads, and we drive accordingly. The last thing we want to do is hit a pilgrim. So if we all do our part, we can ensure everyone stays safe. Now, the other safety takeaway, which is from the discussion about weather. And that is, be prepared. Here's a true story from that drive from Rabanal del Camino over the mountain to Ponferrada with a stop in Molina Seca. As I said, the weather was crazy. The day before, pilgrims were wearing shorts and tank tops. So, the poncho weather on the mountain that day was a bit of a surprise. On the top of the mountain, I came across a pilgrim who was in serious distress as she walked along the road. She had the right clothes for the weather, but she wasn't wearing them, and her body temperature had dropped, as would be expected. For her, there was an additional danger in that she was an insulin-dependent diabetic, and her blood sugar level had become derailed. As I drove us as fast as possible down that crazy mountain road while still staying safe, She realized that the walk was much longer than she had anticipated and that she had been in real, 
life-threatening danger. She also eventually realized that she had had the right clothes in her backpack, but hadn't been wearing them. I want to make the point that this could have happened to anyone on that mountain that day, and it could have been disastrous for anyone. So, this is your mother speaking. No, just kidding. This is your guide speaking. Be prepared with the right clothes. In Season 2, Episode 5, I detail out the formula for proper hiking clothes. Here's the short version. You need a base layer that wicks moisture away from your body. Then you need a layer for warmth, and you need a waterproof layer. No matter when you are walking, you need these three layers adapted to the season, with lighter layers in summer and heavier layers in the colder months. And you need to carry the layers for warmth and waterproof with you anytime the weather calls for it, well, obviously, and every time you are crossing a mountain pass. If the weather on the mountain were to change unexpectedly, or if you were to become lost or injured, you would absolutely need your layers for warmth and rain protection. And if you are using a luggage transport company, be sure not to transport these layers on the days you are crossing the three mountain passes on the Frances route, and probably most of the time on the Camino del Norte and Primitivo routes. Please be safe. The pilgrim I rescued was badly shaken by her experience. I don't want that for you. For my part, it was an honor to be of service to a pilgrim, but the last thing I want is to bear witness to a tragedy on the Camino. I have one more pilgrim story for you, and this one is personal. While in Rabinal del Camino, I learned that one of the pilgrims from the group I led in spring 2015 had passed away. Her name was Karen, and a couple years after her first Camino, she was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer. What did she do with that diagnosis? She fought. She fought hard. And she went back to the Camino and walked her favorite sections a couple more times after the diagnosis. When the pandemic hit, she was pissed off because she knew her time was limited. She wanted to walk the Camino and travel was locked down. Karen never referred to her cancer as terminal. Instead, she called it life-limiting. She knew it was, and she was determined to live every moment of what life she had left as fully as possible. I found out about Karen's passing on the day I was to drive past the Cruz de Ferro, which is the cross of iron, where pilgrims symbolically set down their burdens after walking several hundred kilometers on the Camino. That was one of Karen's favorite sections of the trail. So it was my honor and privilege to quietly memorialize her at the cross that day as I watched other pilgrims approach the cross, set down their burdens, or make their blessings, and then continue on the path. What I take away from Karen's story is to just get going. Make your plans, whether that's for your first Camino pilgrimage or your next one, and go. Walk. Cycle, drive, make your pilgrimage, or take the first steps on whatever project your heart is calling you to start. 
Okay, those are my pilgrim stories and top tips from spring 2023. Now let's look ahead. I will be taking a break from the podcast until July 2023, probably the third or fourth week of July, so I can focus on another project. Producing this podcast takes about 10 to 15 hours an episode, and I'm going to divert those hours so I can finish up something I've been working on that I am super excited about so it can be ready for those of you planning to walk the Camino Frances in fall 2023 and onwards. In the season one finale, I mentioned that I was working on a book for first-time pilgrims. I didn't expect to do this, but I have put that project on hold. Two reasons. The first is that almost everything I was going to put in the first edition of that Getting Started book is covered in season one of this podcast. The second reason is because I have to acknowledge that I vastly prefer an audio format for delivering detailed information about getting ready to walk the Camino. I prefer that over the book format, and I suspect that my listeners do too. I love to talk about the Camino, so I'm going to keep doing that. Some of you have written to me and told me that you listen to the podcast while doing your training walks for the Camino. That makes me so happy. Others have said that they listen while doing chores at home or driving to work. I love that image. You attending to the daily routines of your lives while dreaming and preparing to walk the Camino. So I have switched gears and instead of finishing the book now, I am working on the audio guide I mentioned. Let me give you a bit more information about that. This podcast is generic enough that any pilgrim walking any of the Camino routes can use the information to plan and prepare for their pilgrimage. My specialty and true love, though, is the Camino Frances, so I am focusing my efforts on that route as I create the audio guide. So, if you are planning to walk the Camino Frances, and if you are planning to start in saint jean pied du port this audio guide is for you. Let me give you a preview of what the guide will include. As you know by now, I am prone to give you the long answer to every question you might be asking about the pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago. And that is what I will give you in the audio guide. But I won't be telling you everything there is to know about the Camino Frances. I won't be taking away the mystery or the spirit of discovery. I won't be giving away the secrets of the trail. Rather, I will be showing you how it all works once you get there. So you can go off and A, discover your Camino, B, have the experience you are dreaming of, and C, get to know and work with your expectations of what the Camino will be for you. I have also been inviting you to join one of my groups to start in saint jean pied du port in May and September this year, and you can still do that. But I do know that not everyone wants to walk when I'll be leading those groups. So this is the perfect solution. Instead of walking with me from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port to Pamplona, you can take me with you, in your ear, and I will be with you as you plan and prepare for your pilgrimage and take your first steps on the trail. The audio guide will include more than 30 sessions of information and will be in an audio format like this podcast and when it makes sense for the material in video segments as well. 
let me share with you what topics I'll be covering in the audio guide. This isn't everything, by the way, but here's a sampling of the content. I will start with an overview of the Camino Frances and what you are really taking on when you start from Saint-Jean. That will include descriptions of the two routes from Saint-Jean to Roncesvalles, so you can choose the one that's right for you. It will include how to get to Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port and how to book your flights, train tickets, bus tickets, and taxis. It will include how to use the apps and guidebooks to plan your overall itinerary, especially the first few stages from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port, and how to use these resources all along the trail to find the services you need. It will cover how to select and book accommodations in advance if that's your plan, or as you go, day by day. It will address what to do when you land in Paris or Madrid and need to make your way to Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, actual on-the-ground information. It will have suggestions for how much time to spend in Saint-Jean and why. It will also have day-by-day trail guides for the first few stages from Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port to Pamplona. By the time you reach Pamplona, you will know how to use the tools you have, the apps and guidebooks, in real time, and you will have a comprehensive understanding of how to navigate the Camino and find everything you need and want along the trail. It will include walking tours for Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port and Pamplona to share the highlights of these two cities and also to show you how to approach the other cities you will pass through on the Frances route. The audio guide will include questions for reflection to guide you in planning and creating your once-in-a-lifetime Camino pilgrimage. And it will have questions for reflection as you approach Santiago and transition back home. The Camino Frances Getting Started audio guide is designed to work perfectly with this free podcast, which by now has walked you through all the key decisions you need to make in order to determine if you will walk the Frances route and when you'll walk, how much time you'll spend, who you will go with, and what you have for a budget. By this point, you should already know what type of accommodation you'll stay in and if you will use the luggage transport services, or if you will carry your backpack. Here's the funnest part of all, well, at least for me. I've been writing the scripts for the audio guide while I am in Spain on the Camino Frances. I am verifying everything that's going into the guide to be sure it's current and accurate, as best as it can be. Also, I have already sold the first copy of the guide to my first, first first-time Pilgrim customer, So I am literally writing the guide with a real live pilgrim in mind. Now let's talk timing. My goal is to have the audio guide ready for you by July 1st. I will do an official launch around that time and I will be sending out information to everyone on my email list. So if you are interested in the audio guide and you're not on my email list, let's be sure to get you on it. You can do that by sending me an email to youonthecamino at gmail.com or by going to the link in the show notes for this episode. The other benefit of being on my email list is that I won't be taking a break from my weekly email newsletter. You will continue to hear from me during the break with tips and stories from the trail. Season three of the podcast won't start until mid to late July 
but I may be back with an interim episode to tell you more about the audio guide. So if you haven't already clicked on follow or subscribe or whatever option your favorite podcast player offers, please take a moment to do that. Last thing about the audio guide, I hugely regret not having this idea sooner so I could have had it ready for all my listeners who have already walked, are walking now, or will be walking before September 2023. I've been hearing from you, by the way, and you've been telling me that the podcast has been incredibly useful in preparing for your pilgrimage. Well, I would love to hear more from you. If you would be willing, please send me an email to let me know what about the podcast has been most valuable and what you wish I had covered. And do be sure to send me your top tips so I can share them with everyone and give you credit in Season 3. Speaking of Season 3, do let me know if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast. The only requirements are that you are currently getting ready for your first ever pilgrimage on the Camino, and you are starting in August 2023 or later. My listeners love pilgrim stories, so let's keep them coming. That's not all for Season 3, though. I will also be back with more informational episodes on various pilgrim-centric topics, like safety on the trail, how and why to use trekking poles, and more on packing for the Camino. What else? Oh, coming sometime during Season 3 of the podcast, I will be introducing two new offerings, one-on-one Camino coaching and the comprehensive Do-It-Yourself Camino planning program I've mentioned a few times. The Do-It-Yourself planning program will take you from I want to do this all the way to Santiago and back home again, completely self-directed and self-paced. With the Camino Coaching, you and I work together to plan, prepare, and completely personalize your Camino experience. More details coming on those two offerings in Season 3. If I'm being completely honest, these projects always seem to take longer than I expect them to. I think that's because I'm so committed to giving you the long answer to your Camino questions. And if you are listening to this episode after listening to the previous 35, I am going to assume you are here for the long answer. Now, the last thing before I wrap up this episode, I wanted to share with you that those 35 episodes of seasons one and two of this podcast have been downloaded nearly 39,000 times in more than 50 countries. So from me to you, dear pilgrims, thank you for listening. You are the you of the you on the Camino de Santiago podcast, and I wouldn't be here if you weren't here too. Blessings and buen camino, dear pilgrims. Bye for now.